listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. It is an honor and a privilege to partner with Convoy of Hope to take the blessings that God has given us, to take one day out of all the days that we work and say, today I'm not working for myself, I'm not working for my family, I'm not working... Today I'm working for somebody that I don't even know. But I know that what I'm going to do today is sacred. I know that my work is valuable. Always it is. But today especially because it's a sacrificial day to give it to somebody that would love to have this job. That would would give anything to be able to earn what I earn. To be able to feed their family. To be able to have a life that, uh, that would have the comforts that we have. So I challenge you in a couple weeks if you would do so. To, uh, to bring one day's wages above your regular giving, in, above your regular giving, and give it away. And uh, Convoy of Hope is one of the most um, frugal uh, ministries. And we don't, I've always said, we don't give to Convoy, we give through Convoy. They are a conduit, and uh, it goes to those places that they claim it to go. Um, uh, and so I know them well, I'm a part of that uh, ministry, and I love what they do. Uh, next week, too, we are celebrating, to, this month, by the way, we are talking about the core values here. Riverside RCC, we talk about how we're here to revere God. We're here to connect with one another in an authentic community. We're here to contribute to the needs of others. So this month, we're doing a series called Inward, Upward, and Outward. And today's all about community. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, revering God. We're going to partake together of communion. We didn't do that last week. We're going to share the Lord's Supper together next week. And then we'll talk about our, uh, our outreach values the following week with our One Day to Feed the World. So we have been, over the past month, covering that first portion of the book of Acts where it talks about the birth of the church and that community that Christ birthed on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and filled those people. And the last part of chapter 4 is where I want to begin this morning, and I'm going to invite you to stand and read it with me if you would do that. Let's stand together real briefly. <clears throat> And, uh, and this is the commentary. This is sort of the summary that Luke says that was happening. And I want you to imagine in your mind's eye what it would be like to be a part of this kind of community. Let's read it together. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give to those in need. Lord, may you bless the reading of your word today and bless us as we look to it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You look at that description, that that summary verse of what that new community is like. And I think one of two thoughts comes to mind. It's like, wow, I cannot believe that those people gave up so much to be a part of that community. Or you could look at it this way and say, wow, those people really loved one another. Because here's the thing about sacrifice. If you love somebody, you'll sacrifice anything for them. Right? Right, Susan Whitney just sacrificed a kidney because her daughter received a kidney and she gave hers away to somebody else that she doesn't know. Talk about 
Sorry, I had to point that out right now, but you're a hero of mine right now. She's, uh, and and we, we, when we love somebody, you'll give. You'll give. And giving is an act of love. And that's what this new community was all about. And, and so I think that when Jesus had ascended into heaven and he saw the, the Holy Spirit being poured into these people's lives and then the events that followed after that, I think that Jesus had the biggest smile on his face because this was a direct answer to Jesus' prayer that he prayed in the garden before he was arrested. So let's turn back to John chapter 17, and I want to look at a couple verses from Jesus' high priestly prayer. Look at the things that he prayed for, and you want to know what's most important to Jesus? Well, what was he praying for before he was crucified? Here's what it says. John 17, 11 says, I will remain in the world no longer. He's praying to the Father, this kind of right in the middle of the prayer. But they're still in the world. He's talking about his disciples. And I'm coming to you. So, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Think about that. The final night, Jesus was betrayed. He asked for something specific for his followers, and that is that they would be one that they would find this oneness and this unity. Notice, it's not just any kind of oneness. He's talking about the oneness that he had with the Father, that kind of close relationship, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. And he's praying that these followers would be so united to one another that they would be inseparable. They would be inseparable. But he doesn't just pray that for his immediate disciples. Jesus, looking down through the ages of history, prayed for all that would come to believe in him. And notice in verse 20 of chapter 17 of John, it says, My prayer is not for them alone, meaning those disciples that were with him now, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them, all of them, and that's you and me too, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Look how critical that is. He's praying for you and for me. Why? Because he knows the value of relationship. He knew that these people would face trials and tribulations. He knew that life was hard. He experienced it himself, and he knows how difficult it is to maneuver through the trials and tribulations of life. And he knew that they could not do it alone and they needed one another to be able to be fully functional and to be able to reflect the the unity of the Godhead and the love that God wanted them to display to a world that desperately needs that kind of example. And if we fail to exemplify community to our world, we fail to accomplish the mission that Jesus prayed, that Jesus wanted for us. And so I believe that You want to prove to people that Jesus is real? This is the proof right here. You want to prove to people that that the Holy Spirit is alive and well? Then this is the proof. It's the community that comes together under a higher purpose than themselves, that reaches out beyond themselves, that cares for one another. That's what is proof to the world. It is by their love for one another, Jesus said, that they will know that, that, that you know me. And God created us for this. We are built for relationships into every fiber of our being. We were created to be connected to other people and and to be connected to God. In fact, the greatest commandments are to love God and what? Love one another. 
And so we build community not just by coming and sitting and singing the same songs and sitting in the same building. That's wonderful. But we build community by building rapport and relationships and getting to know other people. And that takes time. The kind of community that God wants us to have is, is, is not something that you can, you can get by watching the Sunday morning television preacher. The kind of community that Jesus wants us to have is not going to get, you're not going to get from listening to a podcast as you're driving down the highway. Thank God for those, those ways of communicating the gospel. But, but the church relationships gathering together is always going to be in style in the family of God. It's going to be something that's relevant in the family of God, and we need that for one another. And this oneness that he talks about, it's not uniformity, it's not sameness, it's not, it's not this homogeneity that we all have to look alike, talk alike, act alike, vote alike, you know. That's not the oneness that he's talking about. He's talking about people who are all different, all diverse, from all different walks of life, all different colors, all, all different styles, all different ideas, coming together for a higher goal and a higher purpose and gathering together for God's glory and God's purposes and being able to learn from each other's differences and work through each other's difficulties and help one another and experience life as you can only do in a family that's committed to one another. That's why we come together. That's what family of God is all about. Romans 12, 4 says, We belong to each other and each of us needs the other. We're all a body. Like he says in, Paul says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, all different, but all the parts of the body are valuable and they all must work together in order for the body to be fully functional. So, Acts 2.42 says they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to life together, to the common meal, and to the prayers. And if you look at the rest of those first four chapters, you see they met continually together. They met in one accord in the upper room. They, they, they met together in the temple courts. They met together and, and, and joined together in harmony with one another. It was like this community was so powerful that they couldn't stop it from growing. It was attractive to everybody and it just grew exponentially because it was a community that always had its arms open, its arms open to new people. Love it. I love it. And I think you'll see throughout history, anytime there's a big move of God going, it's always about breaking down dividing walls. It's always about breaking down those, those differences between people and helping people who wouldn't normally get together get together and find out that they're more alike than they, are, than they are dissimilar. And when we come together in the family of God, when we come together in the family of God, we find acceptance. Romans 15.7 says, Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Because when we come together in the family of God and we look at ourselves in light of Christ, several things we find out. Number one, we are all sinners. <laughs> I don't care how much you have or how little you have. Before God, you and me alike are beggars at the doorpost of God's mercy. All of us are in need of forgiveness for our greed 
for our selfishness, for our lusts, for our hurt that we feel and that we give out. We all need God just the same. And, and, and we find at the, at, at, at the place of the cross that we are all equally loved. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. He loves all of us. And he doesn't love you any more or any less than he loves me. He loves us all unconditionally. We discover that we're equally valued. We're equally part of that body, as I mentioned. And so if you're looking for acceptance, yeah, we might fall short. Yeah, our flesh gets in the way. But, but if you can't find acceptance in the family of God, then where can you find it? Where can you find it? It's a place to belong. It's a place to find that. That's what these people were finding in, in that new community that God created. When we come together, we also find strength for the storms of life. And Lord knows we get enough of those, don't we? Ecclesiastes says, two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. We find strength. We need one another. We need one another. I pity the people that, 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 that feel like they don't need to be there for other people whenever there are other people are in need. Because when they're in need, they don't have anybody that will be there for them. You know, it's reciprocal. You, you, you reap what you sow. A lot of people, well, I don't need church. It's for a bunch of weaklings. It's a bunch of people that are crud. It's a, you know, church is for people that, that need, need somebody to lean on until they need somebody to lean on and there's nobody there for them. Yeah, that's why we're here, to lean on one another, to help one another, to be a family, and that's what families are for. When we gather together, we make the invisible God visible to the world around us. The world will know that we are Christians by our love, one for another. It is that that they see. You mean you have people that will do that? You mean when you were in the hospital, this happened? You mean this? Yes. Well, how do you get that? Because I belong to a community of faith. I belong to a small group. I belong to people that, that I would do it for them, and I know that they'll do it for me. And we're there for one another. We're there for one another. Many of you remember uh, Jay and Rachel Mitlow and... Um, their little boy, Trey, who uh, diagnosed with cancer at two years of age. And just this past week, at six years of age, Trey passed away. And uh, Jay and Rachel have done such an incredible job of being open and transparent during this time of suffering. And, um, and this whole ordeal, they've just blogged about it, and so many people have followed their story. And it's just, I know it's going to become a book someday. It's just so rich and deep. And I think one of Rachel's comments last week is, cancer sucks, but God is still good. I mean, man, how can somebody have that faith? But Jay and Rachel are the kind of people that have been there for students through Young Life as they were Young Life directors and now pastoring a church in Penn Hills, and they've been doing so much to reach out to others. And the family of God has come around them in such a profound way, and it's beautiful to see. Beautiful to see. And so, folks... Before we wrap it up here this morning, I just want to ask you, are you connected with others? Do you have people that 
are in your world and you're in their world in a way that is built on a foundation of loving God and loving one another? And, 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 and can you if, you, if you haven't done that, say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get outside of my comfort zone and I'm going to try to be a part of a family, be a part of a group. I might want to join a ministry that, that I can get to know some other people in volunteering as a greeter usher or on an outreach team or uh, part of one of the ministry teams here. What a, or maybe I can join one of the small groups and get to know some people and, and, and meet with people on a regular basis. Next time we have small group sign-ups, I'm going to look for a group that I could be a part of. There's so many opportunities for that and ways to reach out. I promise you, if you do, others will benefit from it, but you will benefit far more. Do it even if it's doing it for yourself. That's okay, because we need one another. Amen? Amen, amen. One verse, uh, one final verse. Uh, this is a paraphrase of Romans chapter 15. This is the, from the message version. And I love how Eugene Peterson puts this. He says, May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with, all, with us all. Then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives, singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory Jesus did it, now you do it. This is the prayer, this is the dream of Jesus. Let's, let's be the people that can fulfill that dream. Bow your heads with me, please, if you would. Lord, I thank you because the love that we can give is the love that we have first received from you. And as we have freely received, your unconditional love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And as we see the unity of the Trinity, God, may we bear witness to that in our lives. May we bear witness to that in the relationships that we build, not just in the church, but even beyond the church, God. And so may your love for us grow into the love that we have between us and may it bring glory to you. And may people see that you are real because of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.